Hello, everyone. I am Ricardo Colla, Director of Digital Food Science with RIPE.io and the host of this podcast, Know Your Food. In our current series, we are bringing experts from across the food system to discuss food safety and food security in the COVID-19 emergency. Today, we bring the perspective of a supplier of natural and organic flavors. It's a privilege to be joined by Donald Wilkes, CEO of Blue Pacific Flavors. Donald has more than 40 years of experience in the food and beverage industries through his work in innovative food flavor development in the Americas, Asia, and Europe. Welcome, Donald, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Ricardo. It's great to be here with you. Great, and, and it's been a while, so I'm, I'm really happy to talk to you again. And I want to just, for our audience, start with, um, uh, if you can tell us briefly about Blue Pacific Flavors and uh, uh, the uh, ingredients you, you produce. Sure. Um, well, we're a privately held manufacturer of natural and organic certified flavors to the food and beverage industries. Uh, our products are really an emotional part of every consumer's eating experience and memory. Uh, our farm to flavor natural and organic certified products provide that distinctive signature character to enhance the foods or beverages that we really love. We call it flavor with impact, whether it's the memory of your first vanilla ice cream cone on that hot summer's day in New York or New Jersey, or that butter toffee chocolate candy that your grandparents gave you as a kid. Our business is really all about creating memories. At Blue Pacific, we think flavor with impact should include how we act to our employees, suppliers, and our customers, as well as our commitment to support social and environmental initiatives that can impact our communities where we live and work. Today, more than ever, I have a lot of gratitude that we are able to support our manufacturing food customers as an essential business supply chain partner in maintaining their products, which are so critical during these challenging times. Yeah, and, and challenging times we really live uh, with these uh, unprecedented emergencies. So what would you say are the most relevant consequences of this emergency of COVID-19 on, on your operations and uh, in general on the ingredient and flavor industry? Well, there were two major consequences um, to our operations during this outbreak. The first was our employees' health and well-being. They are clearly the most important asset that we have. The second was securing the supply chain especially um, when you consider many ingredients were coming or may come from countries that were in crisis, um, potentially EU and China. And we frankly still may not have seen the full impact of supply chain concerns given the phasing and inventories over the past few months. When you combine this with the unusual demand for larger than normal flavor orders due to food production demand, this creates major challenges to planning and financial modeling for any flavor or ingredient business. In addition, workplace safety requirements such as masks and thermometers were incredibly difficult and challenging to get in order to manage under the CDC pandemic best practices. I believe there's still a sense of vulnerability in the global marketplace, and this could have a significant domino effect to the supply chain in the coming months. The financial impact is already being seen, for example, in the food service businesses, and their ingredient supply chain could also have serious consequences for age receivables, and in particular for flavor and ingredient companies that are tied to this industry. This, along with a larger advanced buying on raw material inventory beyond, say, the normal quantities, could 
really impact cash flow for many food ingredient businesses. And we might even see some potential disruptions in transportation, um, which could be on the horizon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I would say that it's very difficult to uh, uh, even to think about be planning for such an emergency. And so where were you as a Blue Pacific, Blue Pacific Flavors prepared um, in, in any uh, way? Uh, did you have any protocol in place? Well, <laughs> I don't think any company could have had really been prepared for the scale and the expansive global impact of COVID-19, which has had on our lives and our businesses. Uh, I think the biggest challenge for us was really balancing the workplace safety concerns while trying to meet the unusual demand of cust our customers had for the additional products due to the lockdowns and the food hoarding. Having access, I think, to best practices in this type of crisis was really critical. And we were very fortunate to have lessons which we learned from our China business. We suffered adversity early in this pandemic in our local operations in Suzhou. They were closed for over one month and we were able to gain valuable data on best practices they were using when they reopened and our employees returned to work. Our US operations adapted immediately to address workplace safety concerns, knowing the number of cases in LA County and California were rising rapidly. We were fortunate to have the experience with our senior leadership from several natural disasters that impacted our flavor supply chain. Uh, and that assisted us, I think, on our tactical decision-making process on inventory management. In addition, we, were, we based a lot of our planning actually on the updated LA County COVID-19 positive test data. <clears throat> which was doubling every three days. We set up a war room and basically we were using this data uh, as we planned. And it, it really actually helped us provide a worst case scenario when we could see a reduction of workplace or a potential disruption. Lastly, having a trusted and experienced resource on flavors and workplace safety best practices like FEMA, Flavor Extract Manufacturers Association, was vital to our sustainability. At the same time, when everyone is struggling and searching for support and information, FEMA was really instrumental in identifying and sharing resources with member companies. A key component of this is timely access to the FEMA staff who can provide immediate assistance to members in terms of information resources. Yeah, and so you touch upon two very important parts. The first one, uh, you could really uh, uh, get the experience coming, the, the, the short-term experience coming from other areas that were already affected, like China or Europe, and then uh, the the help of the industry as a whole with, with FEMA, uh, which, uh, of course, are very useful resources to uh, uh, at least cope with, with such an emergency. So... How is the situation right now? How are, you, how are you currently planning and reacting? Well, aligned with our crisis planning, we started immediately implementing enhanced hygiene and sanitizing protocols, encouraging all our employees to follow what we called an abundance of caution policy in our workplace, in addition, as well as uh, personal hygiene. You know, this really actually included asking every employee who was directly or indirectly exposed to someone with COVID-19 to stay at home for the 14-day quarantine and following CDC guidelines. We also set up a telecommuting work from home policy for those employees that were able to do their jobs from outside the factory. We did this 
in, uh, for two reasons. One, to make them feel that they could manage outside, but also to reduce the employees' physical distancing given the density of our workplace offices. We made it mandatory for all employees to wear masks. In addition, checking each employee's temperature prior to entering the building. We also practice physical and social distancing per CDC recommendations. Most of all, I think, which is critical, is we engage regularly our, with our management team and our employees to remind everyone to maintain these strict workplace safety protocols. Well, and so now we're going to switch to uh, to the to the foods and, and flavor safety, so the safety of the ingredients. So we already talked about the uh, importance, the primary importance of the safety for the, for the workers. Uh, but the, the, with the workers shortage that we see, um, as well as with some potential country restriction, there's been a potential concern that uh, food safety standards uh, in terms of audits, in terms of uh, protocols to follow, in terms also of, of uh, uh, recruiting new suppliers might be affected in some way. So um, how is Blue Pacific guaranteeing the supply um, while maintaining high standards of, of food and ingredient safety? Well, I'll try to frame this. So first off, as a longtime FEMA member, Blue Pacific uses information resources that FEMA shares with its members on best practices identified by expert groups like the CDC and regulatory agencies such as FDA and OSHA. Mm -hmm. Blue Pacific maintains strict regulatory standards and the quality management systems along with third-party audits from SGS um, and obviously doing many internal audits on our own. Early on, I think in the pandemic, we started to approve additional suppliers for critical raw materials. But with the same quality approval program and no trade-offs, particularly with regards to inequality or supplier third-party audit certifications, regulatory, or any other processes in place at Blue Pacific. Our production was initially running overtime six days a week. Oh. Uh, we were now, uh, we actually, today we're actually, this week we were running normal uh, typical work week schedule. Mm -hmm. Telecommuting, though, was offered early to the employees with job tasks that could be performed remotely. Mm -hmm. So basically, you, you didn't have to modify anything in, in, in your food safety protocols, right? Well, the first thing we did is we said we don't want visitors coming in. Um, okay. Yeah. okay so, yeah. So visitors have been prohibited to enter the building other than for what we call business critical scheduled maintenance, repairs, or say pest control. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Blue Pacific checks and monitors the temperature of all employees entering the building and starting, uh, particularly starting to go to work. Early in the start of the outbreak, we initiated enhanced sanitation of surfaces, um, anything touched or exposed to employ by employees. Um, and we do that multiple times during the day, um, and particularly in areas where surfaces that are pretty um, uh, used pretty on, on pretty much on a regular basis. Um, again, employees were wearing mandatory masks uh, since the um, early phases of the outbreak in California. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, no, another thing that really we are starting to observe is um, uh, the different demand uh, and uh, the different availability of supply of certain ingredients. Uh, sometimes it's because of restrictions. I'm thinking about turmeric from India, for example, uh, with the lockdown of the entire country. So are there any specific ingredients that in your supply chain are more impacted than others by, by those shortages? Well, that's a good question. 
Well, first off, I'd look at um, just the nature of the evolving environmental regulations. There have been um, varying flavor ingredient producing countries. Obviously, the number of flavor ingredient manufacturers has been dramatically reducing globally for many, many years. Um, I I think in general, um, this is one of the big, big challenges. Um, This has obviously created some challenges for supply chain around some of the flavor ingredients purchased by our industry. Blue Pacific purchased raw material stocks for an additional three months of critical items to mitigate uh, any supply chain impact caused by suppliers of raw material shortages on the market, uh, global market, at the onset of the pandemic. So that really helped us. Um, One of the benefits of our membership in FEMA, actually, is our ability to learn about supply chain issues before they become major business disruptions. One of like FEMA's um, most important committees is the Supply Chain and Sustainability Committee. Uh, the information that uh, was provided by FEMA was valuable to Blue Pacific's business planning for both the strategic insights and potential financial impact on various natural ingredients we purchase. Since there clearly is a lag between the food inventories at the start of this pandemic compared to now, we may see significant disruption in supply chain of, let's say, for example, beef and pork uh, that you see going on now in the food industry, mm-hmm. given the large U.S. plant closures, as well as potentially impact other agro-derived ingredients from fruits or, and or vegetables. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the impact definitely is, is something we will see in the weeks to come. Uh, now, I want to come to the last part of this podcast, uh, which is talking about the future um, and how we can best prepare, how can we uh, learn from from these emergencies. So in general, what do you think the ingredient and flavor industry can do to be better prepared to to face the next emergency? Well, one of the key areas for our industry is supplier diversification of manufacturing facilities to help mitigate the risk of delayed raw material business disruption. Um, One of the supply chain issues, obviously, uh, that we're concerned about um, uh, comes with, given the scale of of the pandemic preparedness, will be more about the enhanced management and employee engagement and communications during that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We think, obviously, pandemic safety training, adequate PPE supplies, gloves, thermometers, along with enhanced sanitation products, as well as, very importantly, multiple approved supplier, supply chains that will be uh, really key to sustaining operations during this p- pandemic. I think a lot of companies would say that, um, that they had no uh, ability to even comprehend how difficult it was to get these basic supplies. Yeah, uh, definitely one of the major hurdles, hurdles we, we, we hear and we, uh, we face. Uh, now, it seems that you, of course, and the flavor industry are um, thinking, have had resources to plan and uh, the collaboration amongst uh, the, the different uh, parties uh, in the flavor industry will also help uh, uh, better prepare. Now, beyond the flavor industry, thinking of the food supply chain as a whole, is there any uh, are there any conditions, regulations that need to be changed, collaborations that uh, need to be set uh, and, and put in place that would really help uh, moving forward, facing a, a, an emergency that is uh, really hitting every single part of the food supply chain? Well, I think we, should, we definitely have to see a better uh, planning and coordination between 
federal and state regulators. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the hallmarks of changes that will have to go on in the future, just given the scale of this. Yeah. But we see seriously a lot of changes relative to workplace safety regulations for the pandemic events. I think first and foremost, the focus is going to be on essential businesses. This will not only be on healthcare and say first responders, but it will need to focus on the essential, let's say for example, meat production, farms and processors and manufacturers of foods and packaged foods. As many businesses have challenges with workplace distancing, depending on say on their employees' jobs and their interaction, these areas of workplace safety will most likely need to be considered. I'll give you an example. What happens when you bring a panel for consumer sensory testing? Um, this becomes obviously a critical consideration given the normal interfacing that have, have more personal or say face-to-face -face exposure. For sure, for sure. Uh, and, and, and maybe technology uh, in certain cases, uh, you mentioned uh, consumer sensory uh, testing um, and other issues uh, that I due to proximity and, and large gatherings, uh, maybe some technology advances can help. And do you, do you think about any technologies that you think will be really the norm moving forward or any technological advance that you think uh, the industry will adopt? Well, the biggest risk factor for manufacturing enterprises, in my opinion, has been plant closures due to employees testing positive. Mm -hmm. This was particularly challenging and risky given the high number of people who tested positive with the virus, but are actually asymptomatic. So hopefully the learnings on the new rapid testing technologies will provide employee screening protocol for proactively managing pandemics of the future. Mm -hmm. Certainly if the CDC could have had provided businesses this type of toolkit during COVID-19, we would have had immediately tested employees on premises. All employees deserve to feel safe and secure going to work. And business owners want to operate without fear of closure. For sure. For sure. That's the most important point, uh, without any doubt. Now, how are you thinking about um, the future of our food systems? Well, uh, let me take a uh, Let me give it a little bit of thought here. I, I think in general, um, the challenges for the future um, are going to be, obviously, a, uh, there's going to be a lot of things evolving around the um, environmental aspects of, of our businesses. Mm -hmm. I think sustainability is going to be one of the key factors of the food business. Um, and, you know, my, my biggest concern, obviously, is um, we think the overall part of the crisis disruption planning, the knowledge we've gained with COVID-19 pandemic illustrates why critical crisis management best practices are needed to mitigate the risk of employee safety while sustaining operations and supply chain. I think this would start first with mitigation, preparedness, response and recovery. As you know, as Blue Pacific is a middle-sized company, we would encourage SMEs to prepare crisis plans that address potential disasters or pandemics. Yeah. It's also critical to ensure that they have a greater cash reserve. Lastly, we think looking into, say, for example, insurance riders to specifically cover future pandemics 
should also be considered given many policies under business disruption coverages don't cover pandemics. Yeah. So overall, and you, you might have already answered to that, but uh, is there any silver lining for the food system? Do you see any opportunity for some of those changes that you mentioned uh, to, to be lasting changes and leading to lasting improvement of the food system? Yes. Uh, well, first off, I'm a firm believer uh, that success is the child of adversity. Uh, the food industry will definitely find new opportunities through its resiliency. Navigating through COVID-19 on a personal level was perhaps the hardest thing I've ever had to manage in my over 40 years experience in the flavor industry. But as we see the sky parting through these ominous clouds of the storm, um, I believe we will be wiser and stronger than ever before. The COVID-19 silver lining for the food industry might be sustainability. Now, more than ever, we need to really develop sustainable solutions around food waste. The idea that fresh eggs and milk were being dumped by farmers because they had no ability to repackage their bulk restaurant and food service products for, say, the smaller retail customers, consumers, was really tragic, particularly when you, you see the local and national food banks who uh, were helpless to feed everyone in need, given the sheer humanity of this crisis. So we need to address critical food shortages and the available excess foods to get to access foods, to get to these organizations feeding homeless people and those families in need while minimizing waste. I think that's a really important aspect that hopefully will become a silver lining in this. So just to conclude, um, thank you again for, the, for these insights. These are really precious. Uh, um, where can listeners learn more about your company? Well, um, you're welcome to come to our website at uh, Blue Pacific Flavors, all one word, plural.com. We also um, we, we engage a lot with social media, um, and we'd love to see you. You can learn about our company and our people at uh, Facebook at Blue Pacific Flavors and Twitter at Blue, Blue Pack Flavors. Thank you, Donald. Thank you so much, Ricardo. It's always a pleasure. And thanks to all listeners, you can find this episode and subscribe to the Know Your Food podcast series on Apple Podcast and on our website. Stay tuned for the next one.